You're listening to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Check us out online at southmetroministries.com. Now, let's join in on worship and the Word. All remain standing if you can for the reading of the Word. Isaiah 58 is our text. Thank you, choir, for lifting up the Lord and helping us to be in heavenly places. Isaiah 58, please. The Lord and I, in the last month, more recently, the last two weeks, have been in a wrestling match. And I don't know why I wrestle with the Lord, because you already know who's going to win. But my flesh wants to have my way. And yet the Holy Spirit wants to bring my flesh in subjection. And so as a result of wrestling with the Holy Spirit in anticipation of this year, and we together as a church family, He has drawn my attention to this passage for today. Isaiah 58 verse 6 reads as follows, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. Say amen. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Hey, brothers and sisters, no matter how much you prepared to come to church this morning and how much I prepared for your coming, we still got to have the anointing of the Lord, don't we? Would you point your hand in my direction? Would you pray for me? Because I need it and because I can only help you if he helps me and we can help each other. Pray for me now, would you? My Father, I just, I just want this morning not to be a distraction, nor an entertainer. I want to be a vessel of honor. So I ask you this morning as the church prays for me that you'd put a guard over my mind and my mouth that I will only say what you want said. But then, of course, God, I would not resist what you want said. And I pray, oh God, that we wouldn't just be speaking for speaking's sake, but we would be hearers of the word. Amen, church? And not only will we be hearers, don't let it go in one ear and out the other ear. But I pray the word will find a lodging place in our thinking and in our acting and our doing. God, we got to climb up higher so we can be more like you. Sometimes we got to dig a little deeper so we can get close to you. But whatever you call us to, you'll give us the power to do it. And we submit ourselves to your word in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. And thank you for being seated. Uh, Let me just say this, and I do it at the first of every year. I hold in my hand a little pamphlet, very small, but it is a daily guide to reading your Bible through in one year. I always encourage you to do that the first of every year. You can start in the middle of the year. But if you've never read your Bible in its entirety, day after day, week after week, and it takes whatever pace you choose, but if you took one year to read your Bible, 15 minutes or, or so a day, you would conquer all 66 books, and you would have greater resources than the National Enquirer or Liar or Reader's Digest. All of them have their place. But the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Wouldn't sin against God. This is available to you. Also, in your worship folder, there's an online website 
where you can go and print your own daily reading guide. By nature, by human nature, every one of us is inclined to take the path of least resistance. We Americans, we, because I'm one of us, we are especially notorious for avoiding pain at all costs. I'm allergic to pain. (laughs) Students in high school and college sometimes shortcut their reading assignment. The teacher gives a book and says in six weeks have it read and write a report. Sometimes they shortcut their reading assignment by reading the cliff notes. I mean, know what the cliff notes are? And trying to turn in a report acting as if they read the whole book. I tried that one time. And the professor had experienced other students doing the same nonsense. And I was promptly rebuked, and justly so, and I never did it again. But sometimes a shortcut we prefer instead of the long haul. I say that to say that we look for easy exercise programs that won't make us perspire too much. We're still waiting for uh, the diet pill that will help us lose weight while enjoying fattening foods. And if that pill was there, I would have found it already. You know, brothers and sisters, when it comes right down to it, most of us resist hard work. Even in those areas of our lives where we recognize that it is in our best interest to produce hard work, like the areas of study, exercise, and diet, we avoid developing disciplines that help us, and as a result, we stay the same. There are some things in life that are not going to be obtained by taking the shortcut. Our nation is a sport-driven nation. Our nation is big about sports and athleticism and awards and goals. And while there are some sports personalities that are not worthy of being role models, there are some that are worthy. And in the throes of athletes obtaining the gold medal, breaking the old record, getting on the front line of a sports page, any athlete who is striving after the gold, the G-O-L-D, will tell you that you'll never get it by taking shortcuts. Say amen. There's a kind of a phrase, I think it's a forward phrase, that drives athletes to the prize. And that phrase says, no pain, no gain. So athletes know that you cannot slouch around, eat carelessly, disregard practice, and hope to make a showing or even get a medal. And just like there is no shortcut to the prize in the realm of sports, there is that realm of our life, our spirituality, our walk with God, our conquering our flesh, our resisting the world and the devil that can only be successfully accomplished by the disciplines of Scripture. 
I come to you this morning to tell you that some of the things we need from God in 2010 will only come through personal discipline and sacrifice. When it comes to pulling down strongholds of Satan in our lives, because Satan's desire is to build strongholds in our minds. If he can get control of your mind, he's got all of you, eventually. When it comes to pulling down strongholds of Satan in our marriage, in our family, in our finances, there are even uh, many occasions where Satan will establish a stronghold by attacking your health and keeping you perpetually sick if he can. I mean, know what I'm talking about. When it comes to any other area that Satan has dominion in your life or my life, there is no shortcut to a solution other than the means of prayer and fasting. Someone may suggest by asking the question, can't I pray alone and get an answer without fasting? And the answer is yes and no. Yes, some answers will come by prayer alone. But no, some answers will not come unless we deny our flesh, lay aside other distractions, and seek the face of God. So I come this morning knowing that I had other options to preach on on the first Sunday in the new year. I come knowing that I may forego some hallelujahs and praise the Lord and claps that some of us preachers like to have to make us know that we are connecting only to put you in the dentist chair for a few moments. Matter of fact, I have an appointment there later this month. But I want to put you in God's dentist chair. Because in order to root out the decay, there's got to be a confronting of the problem. And God's got some good Holy Spirit Novocaine that I trust will help you so that when you get up out of the chair, you'll be a better person. Can I get another amen? amen. So, so don't let your flesh tune me out right quick, okay? The first thing your flesh wants to do is say, he ain't talking to me. Please understand, it ain't about he to you, it's about him to us. Amen. Say another amen. amen. Throughout scripture... References are made to fasting as an aid to prayer. Let me point out just a few. The Bible tells us before Moses received the Ten Commandments, he fasted and prayed. Exodus 34 and 28. He knew that God was getting ready to do something phenomenal for these slaves in the desert going on their way to the promised land. And in order to get in the presence of God, he fasted and prayed. David, the great warrior, champion king fasted to deepen his own relationship with his heavenly father, according to Psalm 69 and 10. Oftentimes, the nation of Israel would come under threat or attack by surrounding warring nations. On those occasions, as it is in Second Chronicles 20 and 3, the prophet of God or the king would be in tune with God. and They would declare a fast along with prayer. So that God would give them victory over the potential enemy. An entire book of the Bible is titled Daniel. And when you read about Daniel, you'll understand that Daniel was a man given to prayer and fasting. 
And the Bible says in Daniel 9 and 3 that he spent a prolonged period fasting and praying to discern God's timetable concerning when the people of Israel would leave 70 years of captivity to the Babylonians and return back to the holy city of Jerusalem. We are told that after Jonah reluctantly finally obeyed God and went to preach to the wicked city of Nineveh, which had a population of over 120,000 people, God sent Jonah to tell them if they don't change their ways, he's going to destroy the whole city. And after he preached, the Bible said the king declared a fast, Jonah 3 and 5, all the way from the palace to the poorhouse. And because they fasted and prayed, God changed his mind. Somebody need to be praying for America today. Jesus himself, our Savior, our model, our Lord. After he was baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin John the Baptist. Didn't spare any time, but he was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, the wilderness. And the Bible said he fasted and prayed for 40 days. Is that not true? Say amen. When the church began in the New Testament on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, the Bible says that the leaders of the church, before appointing future preachers and apostles and disciples, they would fast and pray. And on one occasion, Acts 13, 2 and 3, before they sent out Paul, who previously was Saul, a persecutor of the church, Before they sent out Paul and his partner Barnabas to minister, they fasted and prayed. Throughout the Bible, God directed his people to not only pray, but fast. And every time people fasted and prayed, God released his supernatural power and brought about whatever was necessary to meet the need. Whether they needed wisdom for a major decision or whether they needed protection from an invading army, God was always faithful to provide as long as His people fasted and prayed. Since God so mightily honored the prayers of Bible men and women who fasted, I would suggest that God intends for us to make fasting and prayer part of our life also. Please, this is not on the screen, but I need to tell you. The Bible teaches us that a real fast can be a powerful time of refocusing our lives spiritually. I don't know about you, but I need that. I've been a pastor this year in March will be 25 years of the same church right here. And I've been a Christian most all of my life. And I have read the Bible through many times and want to do it again. And I have done other kinds of things to help me to be better. And I still need to do many things to help me to be better. But there are just some places and times when I go through just a dry desert. There are some times when I just go through stuff and it just feels like all I'm doing is is functioning and clicking and, and, and oiling the machine. When that's not what God wants. God wants us to live in the power of a new touch every day of our lives. Please remember this. 
Fasting is not a time to force God's hand so we get our way. It is a time, however, to focus our lives so that we know His way. Say another amen. And so what I need to do now is to give you a brief definition, please. And for some of you, this is going to be a review. Others, it's going to be new, but we need it. Here's one definition that works. Fasting equals a voluntary withdrawing from food and or drink or other fleshly appetite for a specified period of time. Fasting is also abstinence with a spiritual goal in mind. Please hear me. If you just skip a meal or two on one day and call it fasting and you hadn't spent time reading the Bible and praying during those times, all you're doing is not fasting, you're just starving. If all you do is say, well, I, I, if you say, well, you know, I didn't eat today, I didn't plan not to eat, but because I got so busy, I guess I fasted. No, no, you just died in the hard way. <laughs> Fasting is with a spiritual goal in mind. It means abstinence from anything that hinders our communion with God. Say another amen. amen. Let, me, let me point out to you, there are three kinds of fasting the Bible talks about. And what I want to do here is to get this church ready for a corporate fast later this month. It's been in the worship folder. It's been on the, on the bulletin boards. And on the days of the 18th of January to the 22nd of January, five days in this month, we are going to have a corporate church-wide fast. And you could either fast a normal fast, a partial fast, an absolute fast. But what we need to see happen in your families and my family in this church and other churches, what we need to see happen in our bodies, in our marriages, in our finances, and to defeat Satan will not come just by the same old same old, same old. Can somebody say it? Amen. Somebody said, if you, all, if you do keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always gotten. That's a definition of insanity. You can't keep doing what you've always done and expect changes. But oh God, if you're willing to climb up a little higher, if you're willing to dig a little deeper, if you're willing to spend a little more time with God, you will be blessed more than you can measure. Somebody say amen. The first kind of fast is known as a normal fast. A normal fast, for definition purposes, is no food, only liquids like water and juice. A normal fast can last one day from sunrise to sunset. That's kind of what the Muslims do in their month of Ramadan. For 30 days, Muslims will do a normal fast, no food, maybe just water, from sunrise to sunset as they worship Allah and the Prophet Muhammad. And I want to tell you, if the Muslims can do that and make that kind of sacrifice to worship a God who is dead and a prophet who has no divinity, I think those of us that are born again by the blood of Jesus, who has conquered death and hell and preparing heaven for us, can make a little bit of sacrifice. You can fast like this one day. You can fast three days. Some people have done a normal fast for 40 days. No food, just juice and water. There are many wonderful ministry leaders in America now, men like James Dobson, a man who's going to be with the Lord, Jerry Falwell, other men, one of our leaders in our denomination, Dr. T.L. Lowry, and there are other, other people who have done the 40-day fast, only juice and water, led by the Lord, and they will tell you it is life-changing normal fast. Here's another option of fasting. It's called a partial fast. In the book of Daniel, Daniel talks about he in chapter 1 and the other three Hebrews that we call the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Daniel and these other Hebrews came into a strange land, Babylon, in captivity. They were, they were forcibly taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. They were to be trained to serve the king. They were young, they were athletic, they were handsome, they were intellectuals. And the king had this plan that we will serve them the king's food, the rich food. Some of the food that were forbidden in the kosher Hebrew diet. And after we feed them our food and indoctrinate them with our t- doctrine and teaching, then they can come and serve the king every day. Daniel and the three other Hebrews said, give us ten days, however how long you choose. We will abstain from any precious food, any sweets, any bread, any meat, and any sweets, and the king's wine. You feed the others that if you want to, and let me and my three friends just eat vegetables and drink water. And after ten days, if we have not kept up our health and our stamina and our strength as the others who are eating the precious food of the king and the rich food, then put us on their diet. After 10 days, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on a partial fast were stronger, more comely, more powerful, more wise than the whole host of others. And the king's steward made the rest of them go on a partial fast because it worked so well. A partial fast means that you can obtain from meats for a season. This is what Jensen Franklin, Pastor Jensen Franklin, teaches at Free Chapel in Gainesville, whose book I hold in my hand. I want to tell you, I think this book cost $15 when I got it a couple of years ago. It may still cost that. Best $15 investment in my walk with the Lord. I, I recommend it to you. I recommend find this book before now on the 18th and read a little bit every day. Because when you think you can't, God will show you how. Can I get an amen here? If you just got half a mind to get closer to God or a quarter of a mind or just 10% of uh, get a little closer to God and you'll read a book like this. Let, let me tell you something. And I'm not here to promote his ministry and, and I don't know if he even knows me. Okay. So, so there's not the kind of something going on here. I won't make any royalties out of this. But I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. Uh, he is going to lead his church in the 10th of this month for 21 days till the 31st in a Daniel fast. And his church is going to go for 21 days on no meat, no sweets, no, no bread but just vegetables and and, and kind of bland stuff and spend time with the Lord. I I want you to know no time that you invest on your knees or in your prayer room, no time you invest will ever, ever be better invested than when you seek God and will ever be any greater reward than when you say, God, I want to know you and I want to serve you. God will replace that time with strength and power for the rest of the year. Listen to me. It's called first fruits fasting. That's what we're doing this January. When I call you to fast and prayer, we are giving the best of the year, the first first portion of the year, at least one week. Some of you may want to give 10 days or 21 days. Some of you may want to go on Jensen Franklin's website, freechapel.org or jensenfranklin.org, and you may want to go and do their fast with them starting on the 10th. Here, here's my point. I'm saying to you, if you give God the first fruits of January, you say, God, you know, I want to be a better on my job. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better 
boss. I want to be a better neighbor, a better employer. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better uh, worker for the Lord. Whatever you're saying, God, I want the rest of the 11 months of 2010 to be blessed with your favor and prosperity and healing and no attack of Satan. And if he comes, I'll have power. If you give God the best of the first, he'll bless the rest. Put your hands together and give a Lord a thanks. Please, there, there are others. Here's, here's another fast, the absolute fast. The absolute fast is what Esther, in the book written by the author of the book of Esther, who titled the book by her name, when Esther saw that the only possible hope of all of her people who was in Babylonian captivity, not being murdered by a wicked man whose name was Haman, when Esther realized that all the days she spent being groomed to become the next queen of Babylon was because of this one moment where she'd have a chance to speak to the king and she could spare the life of hundreds of thousands of people. She said to Mordecai, her uncle who raised her, and to all of her servants attending to her, for the next three days we're not going to eat or drink anything. We're going to do an absolute fast. So when I go before the king, even though he doesn't call me, and I could be killed for going in the presence of the king without being officially called, I want to risk my life. But I'm not willing to do it without fasting and praying. Some of us walk wide open into hell's territory with no protection. Come on and help me preach here, somebody. Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights with no food and water, and so did Elijah. But listen, only God could help him do that. Please, a person can go 40 days without food, but you cannot go but so many days without water. And the only way Moses and Elijah could fast 40 days was because God supernaturally gave them the power. So I'm not saying to anybody here, go out there and fast 40 days, no food and no water, because you'll die. You can do without food, but water you got to have. But again, again, you have to decide, where do I go with this? What is God saying to me? Because desperate people, hungry people, thirsty people, people who need a miracle, will obey God. Now, let me move on, please. The purpose of fasting. Maybe, maybe this will be less painful. Isaiah talks about it in our text of nine purposes, and I won't get to all of them. I'll just go as far as I can. He said, we need to set aside some time with God, fasting to get freedom from addiction, to loose the bands. Listen to me, somebody. Some of us get this mental picture in our mind about addictions. That when somebody's trying to withdraw from it, and it's, it's a true picture, addiction to drugs or some other kind of substance, if they go long without it, they get the shakes and the sweats and the perspiration and all kinds of hallucinations. And, uh, you know, you've ever seen the program Intervention? It's a wonderful program. Have you ever seen it? Uh, only two of us have seen it? Yeah, hold up your hand if you've seen it. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it's, it's a helping people to overcome their addiction. And it's because they've been bound so long by the substance. Can I get a witness? 
But you know what happens to some of we Christians? We think that's the only kind of addiction there is, and yet we have some addictions in our lives. Some of our addictions can be food. Yeah. Oh God, he's talking about fasting. How can I tank up before the 18th of January? I'm going to starve. We can just see ourselves shaking for a little morsel that falls off the table. I guarantee you, I can tell by looking at me and some of you, ain't none of us going to die in five days. If we... Help me, Jesus. You know what other addictions there are? Some people thrive off of unforgiveness and bitterness. You know you can be addicted to rehearsing your pain. Addiction. Bound by the inability. I have had to have the Holy Ghost remind me on my prayers on New Year's Eve that I got to leave some stuff in 2009 and never go back to it. Can I get an amen here? There's some people I got to forgive. There's some stuff I got to leave. And if I got to ask forgiveness, I need to do it. Addiction to alcohol, to pornography. Help me preach. To sexual perversion. Addiction to lifestyles and habits that are destructive. God, give me freedom. So I, so I don't have to depend on some external, physical, or drug-induced life. And if your family member, or my family member, or you are the one that's bound by any kind of addiction, if, you will, if God will lay them on your heart, fast for them. Give me an amen. amen. Here's, another, here's another purpose. Fasting to solve problems. Isaiah said that when we fast and pray, the kind of fast that God honors is the fast that will undo the heavy burdens. Can somebody else say amen? I'm telling you that you don't have to spend January, February, March, and the rest of this 2010 if Jesus tarries and we make it to December with crying yourself to sleep every night. Can somebody say amen? God says, spend some time with me in January or February. More than once, get in my word. Get in prayer. Push aside the plate. Can I get another amen here? If you're carrying a burden for your marriage, you're carrying a burden for your children, if you're carrying a burden about your job, if you're carrying a burden over your finances, if you're carrying a burden over some weakness of your flesh, if you're carrying a burden of somebody else misusing you or abusing you, get alone with God. Fast for a day. Fast for two or three days. Fast one day a week for a month. Read your Bibles. Get to know God. And you will tank up for the lack of a better description. You will load up with the power and the anointing and the authority of God to overcome all the works of the enemy. Go ahead and give him a hand clap. Some of us are guilty of being so busy looking for answers in places that you can't find them. You can do all you want to. You spend so much money $90 a session for a shrink who needs a shrink. Yeah. Some will be Christian people. 
to undo the heavy burden. I'm not against psychology and psychiatry and counseling. I am for Christian counseling. But some of you are like, you're going for advice on your marriage to somebody like Larry King, who's been married five times. Elizabeth Taylor. You don't need to go to Elizabeth Taylor and ask her how to have a good marriage. She's been married five times. Now, if you want to know how to wreck your house, give Larry and give some of his friends a call. Solve your problems by seeking the face of God. I don't care what your problems may be. And uh, hear me finish the statement. There's an answer to every problem in the Bible. Sometimes you just got to go a little deeper. Fasting also for revival and soul winning. Let let me tell you this. I I said earlier and I'm going to say it again. Revival doesn't just mean that we have a July revival with the fiery preachers and services and we come and we clap hands and sing and we enjoy. All that is good and we'll do it again. Revival is not just about having praise, demon, quad, crowds and, and praying for people. We need that too. But there is a personal revival that we all need. Can you say in your heart truly, and don't raise your hands. I'm just trying to share my heart today, okay? I told you we'd be in a dentist chair, and I'm hoping to put a little Novocaine to numb the pain. But I want you to feel a little bit of pain, like I'm feeling, so that I can avoid the peril. I don't know whether to come down amongst us or stay right here. We all go through dry places. Answer this question. Are you as close to God this morning as you've ever been in your life? Not loud. Don't answer it loud. Are you... Do you read your Bible with greater frequency now than you have? We're answering this together. Do you set aside time for prayer if it's only five minutes in the morning and evening or one time a day? Do you pray over your family's meal? Do you pray over your children? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do you... Do you have any hidden closets in your life that you don't want God to come visit? The people want to know, some people want to know that the preacher is coming to their house ahead of time. Before they worry that some magazine might be out that the preacher can't bless. I feel a glory coming up. Now I am coming here amongst you. If the, if the preacher doesn't call us ahead and announce his coming, there are certain containers that might be on display. <laughs> you, my son-in-law, give me a high five. We're in this together. If I'm going down, you're going down. <laughs> certain clothing with which I am dressed or certain uh, brands of sucking cigarettes that might... Oh, my... When I leave my notes, I get so anointed. (laughs) Young's worried about the preacher coming without realizing that God's already there. I got to do the same thing. When when I get tempted to, somebody say, you ought to see this movie. 
Hey, don't, don't be recommending no movie to me that got any trash and filth and cussing and swearing and naked, okay? And I won't do you that way either. I don't care how good it is. I don't need help. I don't need help being up bad. I don't need help thinking thoughts I shouldn't think. I just need to conquer them. I and you need a personal revival. Can I get another amen? You know, it's not always what's on the outside in the table and the chair and the refrigerator. It's also what's in the heart. Jesus' greatest issue with the self-righteous Pharisees and Sadducees, he said, you put all this law and all this do's and don'ts on people. You hang burdens on them that you yourself don't even obey. You Pharisees, he says, and I've been Pharisaical before and probably am now, and I ask you to forgive me. But you know what Jesus said? You Pharisees, you're dressed like Pharisees. You got the clothes, you got these thick bands on your head, these, these phylacteries. They're boxes, little small boxes that they either wear on their arm, and the thicker the box, the more scriptures they memorized. And they used to wear them on their head sometimes as part of their turban or garb, and these big old like you're sticking out and they walk through bowing and people think man they memorize a lot of scripture <laughs> and probably for some of them the box was empty as well as the head but we'll just move right on you know what I'm saying I'm saying I'm guilty too of playing church I'm guilty too and you are too sometimes of casting an image and we, ha- we are not as close to God as we've been we need a personal revival so that's why we fast and pray that, the, that we, we would be free. Uh, 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 let me tell you something. I, the Holy Spirit has rebuked me more times than I can confess of being a keeper of the aquarium. I've prayed to God, don't let me be a keeper of the aquarium as a pastor. Let me explain. The church can almost be like a nice fish tank. And every Sunday we come to the fish tank. And we swim around a little bit, praise and worship and singing and offering and preaching and prayer. And it's good. It's great. And I, being the lead fish in the tank, will come and sprinkle a little bit of fish food on the choir in the tank. A little fish food over here. And we'll gulp it down and swim and keep with the aquarium. I'm the keeper. So every Sunday before we get here, we make sure the aquarium is clean. We make sure the lights are on. Nice aquarium. In a nice aquarium, we make sure that the oxygen level is nice. I don't see nobody suffocating out yonder. <laughs> Y'all follow what I'm saying? And sometimes some people don't like the aquarium and they get mad and go to another aquarium. And then we get, sometimes some of the fish die. Some of the fish get, so we, we take in a few more fish. We go on our way. And God never called the church to be an aquarium. He called the church to be fishers of men. I'm teaching you. You know where people get saved? Most people who get saved won't get saved on church on Sunday morning. Because the saved people come to church, the unsaved people most likely don't. But people get saved after you and I get fed in the aquarium. So it's not bad to have the aquarium, but if all we do is come to our aquarium, nobody's going to get saved. 
You and I go out in the ocean of the world. After we've been touched by God, after we hear a sermon, we sing a song, we've been anointed, we've been given the bread of life, we go out on the job, the football team, and the carpool, in the break room, we go out wherever our, wherever our world is, our Jerusalem, our Samaria, our uttermost parts of the world, it's wherever you live and work, then we become fishers of men and bring people in to the kingdom. I'm not mad and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm going to wrap this up here in a minute. Listen to this. God didn't save you and I to warm up you. God didn't save you and I just to come and get fed. God didn't save you and I to give us fire insurance so we won't burn in hell and go to heaven. God saved you and I to have a burden for lost people. One of my prayers this year and during the week of prayer and fasting is to be a soul winner. I need to be a soul winner, a better soul winner. I need a bigger burden for lost people. I need, I, I need and you do too perhaps. I'm talking about me, a greater love for those who don't look like we do and dress like we do and talk like we do. I need a greater love for them. Soul winner. God's dealing with many. I'm glad He is. You see, what I'm going to challenge you to do in this week of prayer and fasting, one of the things I'm going to challenge you to do is to, today, get a slip of paper that's at the Welcome Center or at the atrium. They're provided, just a small slip. And write on their paper, between now and the 18th of this month, what you want to see God do in your life this year as a result of prayer and fasting. You may choose your own paper. But say, between now and the 18th, if I'm going, if God, if I'm going to fast and pray, I need a goal. I need some things laid down in black and white. I need some things, oh God, that I can target my prayers to. And so write down, it may be your marriage, it may be your son, it may be your daughter, it may be your business, it may be a major decision, it may be somebody addicted, it may be somebody's health. Write it down. When you come back to church, put it in this prayer chest right here. We're going to move it from here next week and have it here. Drop it in this prayer chest, deposit it, and when we come in the week of prayer and fasting, we are not going to read it as our business. I'm not going to hand it out for everybody to read, but we're going to put our hands on it symbolically during that week, and as you fast, and as I fast, and we pray together, and then we'll begin to see God begin to answer those requests, and a few weeks beyond fasting and praying, as the harvest comes in of answered prayers, we will hear testimonies among the church that, Pastor, you told us to put it in the box, you told us to fast and pray, and I want to stand up and tell you that God has saved my marriage, He has saved my children, He has blessed my finances, because if you obey, God will do the rest. Somebody give the Lord a clap hand of praise. I am hurrying. Listen to me. Uh-uh. You know what? I want this church to be a, to live out that first phrase of our mission better than we did last year. Embracing people at the point of their need. If that's all we're going to do is put it up on the ward... And we, me as a pastor and you as people, don't live it out. We need to yank it off the wall and do something else. We have a tendency after we're saved to want to stay so holy that we isolate ourselves. So there's some people that listen to music that I don't care nothing about that music. But I need to love the people. Amen. 
There's some people who have some lifestyles that is wrong. Homosexuality, lesbianism, it's wrong. Fornication, adultery, sex out of marriage, wrong. But there's some people who in their sin will shake their finger in the face of God and dare him to do something about it. That's blatant. I can't do anything about those people, but I want to love them and pray for them. See, I, I don't think that Britney Spears is a good role model. I don't think that Madonna is a good role model. <laughs> don't you like my generic preaching? I don't call names. I just kind of move right on to you know. I don't. I don't think other entertainers and other athletes. I pray that Tiger Woods would repent. I, am, I pray that he would restore his... I pray he would love his wife and children, repent, get help, and save his family. I pray, I pray that because I, I love his skills. I think that he's very talented, but... But family is first. So here's what I'm saying. People are different than we are. But if they're looking for Jesus, come on. Embrace at the point of the need. I don't care if this year somebody, your children or somebody looking for Jesus and they come to South Metro Ministry. I don't care if half of their head is shaved and the other half is purple. Come on in. If you're looking for Jesus. You know? Uh, You know, I, I I prefer personal preference. I'd be careful, but y'all are sitting down, so I can't see and it won't affect. So I'm not targeting anybody. But I, I prefer that young boys, young men, wear their pants up on their, near their navel. I, I, prefer, I prefer. See, see y'all are agging me on now, see? See, my preference is such that I, I would like to take a staple and staple their belt to their belly. I'm fixing to say something, and I, if you all are not careful, you'll be offended and not get the message. So I'm gonna be real careful, okay? <laughs> I'm not gonna say that because I can just see emails coming in. <laughs> but if you know, if if you you looking for Jesus, I just wear some clothes, cover cover up some cover up stuff, you know. Come model and come on and come on, you know. Let me tell you something else I prefer, and I think, I think the Bible teaches it, but if you're looking for Jesus, if you're looking for Jesus, okay? I prefer that people don't pierce their bodies every kind of way in all kinds of places. I prefer, I prefer. Don't act me on now, okay? I'm trying to make this a church that embraces people, and some of you, you know, you've been around me, and you know I go there. I prefer that if they tattooed their bodies, that could wash out in the shower Saturday night for <laughs> but I, I don't care if you're looking for Jesus at South Metro Ministries this ain't Alan's church this ain't Lewis's church this ain't Dennis's church this is Jesus's church so come amen if you're looking for Jesus come and let's win souls if you gotta come five Sundays in a row, come on. If you gotta come, to, if you ain't found Jesus by March, come in April. Somebody say, man. Let me tell you something. You know what I want for this church in my fasting praying? I want us all to embrace people. I, I want to do a better job. I gotta do a better. I, I asked my mother-in-law and father-in-law and my wife in the last two weeks. I said, if. I said, I want to do a better job as a pastor. I told him that. I asked him that. And I said to my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, whom we spent a little time with on vacation over the holidays, and my wife, I said, 
I would like to do a survey in the church. Now, don't hold me to it. I'm just saying, I would like to. And I would like to have two statements on that survey. I'm not, unless I feel led to do it, I'll do it, but I'm just throwing it out, okay? One is, what are we doing well at South Metro Ministries? And the other statement is, what can we improve upon to serve God better and serve you better? So what I'm saying is, this is the first of the year. We, we need to be examining. I, I, I'd like to, and one of the things I think we could do better is just love each other better. You know, let me tell you something. And I don't want the ushers to feel bad at me. And I don't want the greeters to feel bad at me. And I don't want the parking people to feel bad at me. I'm, you volunteer. You're not paid for what you do. So I'm not here to beat you up and lose you. Okay? But here's what I want. I want ushers, happy ushers. I want ushers to just be happy and smile. And You know, you ever go into some businesses and they kind of act like, why'd you come here for? And you want to say, do you know that you get paid because I patronize this business? I want ushers to be receptive and warm. I want our security people out there who help you and, and park and do all that. I want to be nice and friendly. I don't just want to have a little walkie-talkie and have a nice little golf cart and drive around like they garden the Queen of England. Man, get off that cart and help somebody out of that car. Bring them in the house of the Lord. I can tell you're going down by the look on your face. I want, I want hospitality people to be hospitable. And why y'all are saying amen? Some of y'all need to be ushers in hospitality and some of the other people. Okay, don't go keep saying amen, all right? I want to be hospitable. I want to be kind. I want to embrace folks and bless folks and help them out. Because we need, Jesus died for people. He didn't die for pews and he didn't die for buildings and he didn't die for records and numbers. He died for souls. Stand, please. I'll continue this lesson next week. And if you're absent, I'm going to come at your house and eat before we fast. <laughs> I'm closing now. Here's what I've done. Don't leave unless you have to, okay? Don't, unless you just have to. And I know sometimes there are emergencies. But this is, the, this is the summit of what I want to say. I have thrown down the gauntlet this morning. I have drawn a line in the sand for you and me. And I have said, Jesus... I want more of you. I want less of me. Jesus, there's some things that I need changed and they need changed and together we need changed that we cannot do it by ourselves. We've got to have you. You know, if I wanted better pay and I, there was a way in my job, like it is in yours, to take another exam, study a little bit more, go to class, if I really wanted it, I'd do it. Wouldn't you? Can I get an amen? What I'm saying is, whatever I'm passionate about, I will pursue. And if I'm passionate about the Lord, about deliverance, about marriage, about children, about the future, about decisions, about the Holy Spirit, about conquering my flesh. If I'm passionate about living in His favor, I will fast and pray. So I challenge you with two things as as we close in prayer. Will you fill out that prayer request slip between now and the 18th? It will be available this morning as you go. It will be available next Sunday. And even if you can't be here, even if you're a visitor... Put it in the box or send it back to us. And then will you make a choice, partial fast, normal fast, or absolute fast, during that week of the 18th? Because if you only skip food, you have not done anything. But if you spend time with prayer, your, your life will be changed. Bow, please. You say, Pastor Matura, I know I can't do this on my own. I'm interested in doing it. 
I have some difficulties. And for those of you with medical issues, you have to be very careful. If you want to fast, you have to choose a partial fast and be careful that some of you have to ask your doctor. That's okay, you do that. But you say, Pastor, barring any other hindrance, I want to change. I need to change. And I know I can't do it on my own, but as you close in prayer, pray for me. I'm not going to pray for you singularly. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to anoint you singularly, but as a group. Pastor, I need to do what you're talking about. I need to draw nearer to God. God knows me. And I just need you in this closing prayer while you pray for others to remember me. Hold up your hand. And I knew that would happen all over every section. Hands are up. Hold up the other hand now. Would you lift your voices to God and begin to pray to Him your covenant and your agreement? Go ahead right now and tell God what you want Him to do before you write it on a paper or tell anybody else. Come on, pray it so that you can hear yourself pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on church. Oh God, it would have been so easy to preach some easy, laughing, clapping, a jovial kind of message that we forget about before we get to the car. But this is not going to, this is going to be on the car and when we get home. I pray, oh God, give us the power to conquer our flesh. Give us the power to conquer, Lord Jesus, the natural appetite that distracts from our spiritual growth. Oh, Heavenly Father, there are people about to make decisions that it would help to spend a little time in fasting and prayer before they make it. There are people, oh God, about to go on a new business venture. There are people about, oh God, they're going to look for a job. There are people, somebody about to get married or they're praying for a husband or a wife. And they need to fast and pray before they make that decision. There are people, oh God, Lord, who are going into a new ministry. Come on and pray with me, church. You are calling them to another level, oh God. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would release your anointing so that they would know the joy. We would all know the joy of isolation and separation with God for a season. Oh, Heavenly Father, I know Satan doesn't want us to fast and pray. But I know you want us to and you'll give us the power. Oh, God, somebody is sick and we need to pray for them. They can't fast, so we should fast. You may lay them on our hearts. Help us to be willing to do it. Somebody has an addiction or a bondage and they don't know about fasting or they won't do it, but we can secretly do it and pray for them and you'll produce change in their lives. My Father, I just ask you today that beginning now, we will walk in your covenant and your anointing. Give us supernatural power to do what you call us to do and to be changed forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a praise with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.